Uh, But we are in the book of Psalms, chapter 103 this morning. Psalms 103 this morning, and as you can see from the title, I spent hours coming up with a creative title of Bless the Lord. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful, obvious truth of what we should have for the title of this message here today. And as we are embarking on this study of the book of Psalms, thank you again, Larry. Uh, as we are going on through this, last week we started with the book of Psalms 1 and 2. And in that, Pastor David Dyer, one of our mission partners that is getting ready with his family to embark on a journey out to Southeast Asia for missions work that they're going to be doing there, living there, and doing all that God has called them to. He was with us last week, and uh, he, he preached through Psalm 1 and 2 and really got this thing started really well for us, like really zoned in on the purpose of worship and why God has called us to worship. And a beautiful, beautiful sermon. I want to encourage you, if you have the time and you weren't able to be here with us, uh, go online to our website or on the Facebook page and listen. Uh, If you don't have the capability to do that, let me know. I'll put it on a disc for you. Yeah, we still have disc. And I can still get that copy for you and make sure uh, that you have that if you want to listen to it. It was a great way for us to start this sermon series. Now, for this morning, like I said, I've entitled it Bless the Lord. And uh, very fittingly, we just sang 10,000 Reasons that goes beautifully with this song. But as we were thinking through what, what should we have for Father's Day, I mean, here we are, it's the, the day that we celebrate our earthly fathers, but ultimately want, the whole purpose of why we gather here is to glorify our Heavenly Father, right? That's the whole purpose of why we're here. Yes, we're going to honor our dads today at the end of the gathering, but ultimately the purpose of why the saints have gathered together is to worship God Almighty and praise Him for what He's done. Now, when we see this here, bless the Lord, this is our way of saying, praise the Lord. It's a a way of which we can say that word praise. And as David pins this psalm, it's a way for him to acknowledge several different things about the Lord. So with that said, let's stand together to honor the reading of God's word. And let's read Psalm 103 here this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, praise God, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. 
As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember and do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. This is his word. Let's pray. Father, we come before you again, Lord, now at this moment of we're seeing this beautifully written psalm by David. And Lord, as we read this, it it just ignites this excitement inside of me, Lord, to look at the beauty of what you have done, how you move and work in our lives, God. The fact that you are abounding in steadfast love and mercy. You are compassionate to your people. Father, I pray now, Lord, that you would have your way in these next few moments. God, that you would speak through me, Lord, that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing unto you. God, that you would have your way in us. May you increase, may we decrease. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So for this psalm today, this this psalm, remember, it's these hymns, these beautiful praises unto God for this hymn of praise today. We see the many benefits of the salvation that God gives to his people, the many benefits of, of what he does for us, his care for us. If you're taking notes, I pray that you are. The first point is this, bless the Lord for his benefit of salvation. Bless the Lord for his benefits of salvation. Let's look again at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. It's a cry of praise from David. It's a way for David to remember and remind himself. Listen to what the Lord has done. He's telling himself, O soul, bless the Lord. O soul, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for He is good. Praise the Lord for what He has done. Bless His holy name. He says in verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. See, here in this moment, as David is talking and speaking, writing these words, he's telling himself something very important. You know, you might hear a lot of times if, if you're a pastor, uh, you, you'll go to a, a conference. And we as pastors, if we go to a conference, we'll, we'll be sitting there and we'll be hearing the speaker talk. And he says, Pastor, make sure that you're always doing as you've been called and preaching the gospel to your people, but never forget to preach the gospel to yourself. Because being a minister of the gospel, it is difficult. The enemy sees us as prime targets. 
And He wants to take us out. He wants to do that. We've seen it happen time and time again in the church so far. We've seen leaders fall. And the ripple effect that it has caused. The enemy wants to take out ministers. And when we go to these type conferences, you hear that. And you hear that phrasing, preach the gospel unto yourself. It's reminding yourself of what God has done. Don't be discouraged, brother, sister. For the Lord is good what he has done. Remind yourself of that. And I say that to us too as followers of Christ. Remember to always continually preach the gospel to yourself. Be reminded that here David is speaking unto himself. Oh soul, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. You see, he's rejoicing. He's preaching to himself. He's reminding himself of the benefits from God. Now you may say, well, Brian, what are those benefits that David is speaking of? Well, he continues in verse 3 with this. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. Think about that. The Lord is so good that he has forgiven us of our iniquities. He has forgiven us of our sin. And in doing so of that, for those who are in Christ, who profess Jesus Christ as Lord, he has taken us and removed us from the judgment and pain and wrath eternally of hell. Amen. He has done this to us here in verse 3. He forgives all your iniquities. In forgiving our iniquities, we have to remember talking about that idea of hell and where we would go if we were separated from God for all eternity. Romans tells us when Paul's writing to the church at Rome in Rome in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul says, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Pause there for a moment. Our sin separates us from God. Period. There is nothing that you or I could ever do in our own power and ability to make things right with God. There is nothing that we could do. You've heard me reference this before. But on our very best day, if we checked everything right off the box, if we didn't say any bad words, if we didn't get mad at somebody that cut us off in traffic, if we didn't yell at our kids, if we didn't have a dispute with our spouse, you fill in the blank. Everything went right in our eyes. On the very best day, the Bible says what we could give God is nothing more than mere filthy rags because of our sin. We need Jesus to take the place of us, to forgive us of our iniquity. Forgive us of our sin so that we could be cleansed by the blood of Jesus and what he has done for us, making us white as snow. David says there, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Now this does not mean that That every single thing is going to be perfect and fine. And every single disease is going to just be wiped clean. We all know people in our lives. 
that have had terminal illnesses in past. We all know people in our lives that struggle with illnesses now constantly. Some of us in this room, some of us online have had issues health-wise. But this is a good reminder for us, too, that the Lord is ever-present through every single thing that we go through and that we face. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us, has he not? When we go through the times and we suffer, the Lord draws near and we draw near to him. He is there with us to help us and get us through these things. The next benefit that David says there in verse 4 is that he redeems your life from the pit. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Steadfast love and mercy. God has redeemed us in Christ from the pit. He has redeemed us from separation from him. That is a major benefit of our salvation. He has redeemed us. And in redeeming us, church, he has done what he says there in that second part of verse 4. He has crowned us with steadfast love and mercy. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church at Colossae, he says in Colossians 1, 13 through 14, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness, taken us away from it, He's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And in doing so, every single time we face things, we have to remind ourselves he has crowned us just like a royal prince would be crowned. We have been crowned with his steadfast love and mercy. Steadfast. It's constant. It's ever present. It's continual. His steadfast love and mercy. There's not a day that goes by when you wake up that the Lord has not shown you his steadfast love and his mercy. Never forget that. On the days when things are just really rough, when they're really hard to navigate, when life is just bad, never forget, brother and sister, that the Lord's steadfast love and mercy is ever present. His mercies are new every day, are they not? We continue on, and he says there in verse 5, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David is declaring here something so beautiful, that the Lord satisfies us with good. He satisfies us with good that our youth would be renewed like the eagles. That we would be renewed, rejuvenated. It's this echoing there of what we see in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Where Isaiah the prophet says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord satisfies us with good. So that our youth is renewed like the eagles. 
in that daily joy that we face, I mean, that we have, that God gives us, in those mercies, in that compassion that he shows us continually, that he proves that he is so good. We're renewed. We're rejuvenated. There's many benefits to the salvation of God, and here David just lists a few of them. Now, moving on, secondly, we see in verses 6 through 10, bless the Lord for his character. Bless the Lord for his character. Let's look at verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. We see this beautiful picture here of how the Lord works righteousness and justice to those who are oppressed. It reminds us of what we see in the Exodus account. See, when we're in the Exodus account, we read through it. We see how the people are oppressed. We see how the people are, are just under the slavery of Pharaoh in Egypt. Yet God delivers the people. They wanted to be re- re- delivered from the, the pain and the anguish that they were facing. They were oppressed. And God shows us in his word that he does just that. David continues on in verse 7. It says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Man, this is good. This is good. He made known his ways to Moses. God used Moses to lead the people. To go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he let him go finally. But even then, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he chased after them. And yet God still delivers the people. They get up to the sea. The waters part. They are able to go through. And just as they're coming behind them to seize them, the waters crash on them and they are wiped away. God intervened and was there for his people. He does it there in the Exodus account. And then all throughout the time in the wilderness, what happens? We've talked about this. The people are getting frustrated. They're getting annoyed. They're tired. Things aren't going the way they thought they would go. And as they're waiting there in the wilderness, they whine and they complain. God gives them manna every day. They don't obey God. They don't do things the right way that they're even told to do. They continually whine and bicker. To the point where Moses has to say, oh God, please. He intervenes trying to to assist the people to be there on their behalf. Even at the same moment while Moses is up at Mount Sinai talking to God, the people are down there complaining, this is taking too long. God's forgotten us. Hey, Aaron, can we make this golden calf? And they take the golden calf and they start to worship it. Yet God still showed mercy and compassion to those sinful people. We have time and time again where we'll read those kind of things and we'll be like, man, you crazy, crazy people. How dare you? Haven't you seen what God has done? And then we stop for a moment and we realize, oh wait, (laughs) that's me. We stop for a moment when we really reflect on what's happening there and we say, how many times have I complained, although God has been faithful? How many times have I 
Not necessarily taken some gold and molded it together in a golden calf, but I've taken this and I've elevated it way higher than the Lord. I've made this out of worship. Yet God's character is that he makes his way known to Moses, just like he did with Moses, just like he did with the people of Israel. Look at verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. What a verse. Let's read it again. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. This is the God that we serve. This is the God whom we serve. He is merciful. He is gracious. We deserve hell. But God. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. You may say, well, wait a minute now. I read the Old Testament and I see an angry, wrathful God. No, you see a God of justice. You see a God who is just against sin And then you need to continue to keep reading your Bible. Because as we continue to read throughout the Old Testament, we see God's faithfulness over and over and over again. We see the grace of God over and over and over again. We see the scriptures continually point to a day coming when the Messiah would come. And he does come and he dies for the ungodly. That is a God who is slow to anger and that is abounding in steadfast love. David says in verse 9, He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He gives this example coming off of this. He doesn't scold or rebuke. He doesn't keep his anger always. He doesn't scold or rebuke always. He doesn't keep his anger forever. Verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Because if he did, things wouldn't be going too hot for us, would it? He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. Because if we are in Christ, when he looks upon us, all he sees is the righteousness of Jesus that covers us. It's as if Jesus says, hey, dad, he's mine. He's yours. He's ours. If it was up to God, let me rephrase that. (laughs) If it was up to us, our response would normally be what? When somebody comes up against us, that sins against us, what's our immediate flesh reaction Oh, I can't wait to get you back. It's the natural response of our flesh. Yet the character of God is the exact opposite. The character of God says, Though you sinned against me, I love you enough, O child who I created in my image, to give my son to die for you. He doesn't repay us or deal with us according to our sins and iniquities. Bless the Lord for his character. Number three, bless the Lord for his fatherly love. 
Bless the Lord for his fatherly love. You're like, man, you a Baptist preacher. You're going to get that Father's Day part in there at this point. Here we go. It works naturally with this passage. Bless the Lord for his fatherly love. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Folks, as high as heaven is above the earth, that is how far and how wide and deep the love of God is towards us. Keep that in mind. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As high as the heavens are from the earth, as far as the east is from the west. What a picture. Now, I know I haven't preached in a little over a month because of being away, but you may remember from a little over a month and a half ago, probably I kind of used that same image, but it's so naturally with this passage here. As high as the heavens are and as far as the east is from the west, what does that paint a picture of? It's the cross. It's the cross. As high as the heavens are, as far as the east is from the west. You know, I read that passage studying this week and I was reminded I've done this with Adeline. I do it now, still some with Noah when he behaves. No, I'm just kidding. But you look at your child and you've probably done this and you say, how much do you love me? I love you this much. At the place of the skull, at Golgotha, at Calvary. God said, I love you this much. When his son was nailed to a cross for your sin, for my sin, for our iniquities. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was laid upon him was because of you and I and our sin. Look at verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Now, when we read this word here, as a father shows compassion, the translation there of that word compassion is pity. And it's not in a bad sense. It's in this emotional, enduring type of compassion. Just as a father shows compassion to their child. Now, earthly dads in the room, you don't got to say anything out loud because if we were here all day, we could probably give countless times of how we failed, right? We could. There are many a days where we could say, oh man, I wish I would have got that right. I wish I would have done that better. But the scriptures talk about here just as a father, like an earthly father, shows compassion to their child, so does God shows compassion to those who fear him. Think about that. Where there are days where we say, man, I dropped the ball and I failed, God never fails. 
He is loving. He is enduring. He pursues us. He cares for us in ways that sometimes are unfathomable to us, if we're honest. The Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Now, this is not a man. I'm scared of you, God. You've heard me say this time and time again. It is a fearful reverence. This is God who spoke everything into existence, who created the heavens and the earth, who made everything. This is God who deserves our worship. Those who fear him, those who follow him, those who love him. Look at verse 14. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows our frame. He knows our frame. He knows the way in which we were made because, folks, he formed us. He created us. And he remembers that we are dust. You may say, well, what do you mean I'm dust? Well, if you remember from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God creates Adam and he creates him of the dust. He creates him of the ground. He forms him. And then later on, he forms Eve as Adam is asleep from his rib. But the Lord knows our frame. He knows, he remembers that we are dust. He knows everything there is to know about us. And that is very, very important for us to understand. This fatherly love that is given to us is given to us despite who we are. Hear me. It's given to us despite who we are. Although we are redeemed, do you and I still sin daily? Oh, yeah. Miranda's here, she'll tell you. It's reality. I still sin. We all still sin. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. Amen? God formed us. He remembers that we are from dust. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows everything there is to know about us. We can't pull a Jonah and think, if I flee from here because I don't want to do what God tells me to do, I can get away and I can go do this over here. No, 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 no. Our God is omnipresent. He is with us always. He knows every thought that's in our mind. He knows everything there is to know about us. Yet, he's still gracious and kind and loving. Wow. Bless the Lord for his fatherly love. Very quickly, two more. Bless the Lord for the care of his people. Bless the Lord for the care of his people. Verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. Continue to verse 16. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. Here David talks about in 15 and 16 the reality of our frail state. You see, on the grand line of eternity... 
on and on and on, you and I, we think that these years that we live, they're this long period of time, but on the grand timeline of eternity, it's a mere dot on that line of eternity. We're born, we live, the dash, we die, the end date. We only have a little bit of time here. We're like grass. We're like a flower. It flourishes like a flower of the field. We see that picture of this beautiful flower flowing in the wind. And as the wind passes over it, it's gone and its place is no more. Here and then gone. But verse 17 says, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Yes, we may be here only for a mere period of time, a mere dot on the eternal spectrum, on the timeline of eternity, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him, to those who are in a covenant relationship with him that was bought with the blood of his son and his righteousness to children's children wait a minute you're saying that my grandkids are good they're saved no it's not saying that everyone must confess their sin after repeat repenting confessing Jesus Christ as Lord What the scripture is teaching us is that his righteousness is to children's children. The same righteousness that has been shown to us. The same love, grace, and mercy that has been demonstrated to us through Jesus and his finished work. It is available to our children's children if they would repent and believe. And if you're like me, you pray every single day that that happens for our children and our grandchildren before the Lord comes home or comes to take us home, excuse me. Verse 18, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. We keep his covenant. We keep in step with him. We remember to do his commandments. It is not anything about a work-based salvation. We've already covered that. But as we are in this relationship with God, as we are his followers, we live our lives to bring him glory. And in doing so, we walk in obedience. We don't just sit back, put our feet up and say, God, I don't want to do anything you tell me to do. I'm saved. I ain't burning. I'm good. No, that is not what we do. We say, Lord, you were so gracious and kind to show me this love that I do not deserve. And you have redeemed me from the pit. You have forgiven my sin and my iniquity. God, what do you want me to do? I'll go do it. That is the response that we should have, church. Whether you're younger or older, whether you have physical limitations or not. And if you do, hear me. 
There is a lot that you can still do that involves sitting quietly and praying to our Heavenly Father. Don't ever forget the power of prayer. Don't ever forget the power of prayer. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. See, we bless the Lord for his care of his people because God is sitting on his throne keeping watch. Everything is under his sovereign rule. Nothing catches him by surprise, church. It's not like something happens and God goes, well, hot dog, I didn't know that was going to happen today. No, he says, I allowed this to take place for a greater purpose, whatever it may be. And don't ask me a ton of questions about that because that is between God and himself to understand. We will try to seek in the scriptures to find out why and and say those things. But ultimately we say, Lord, you're in control. The scriptures say that you have established your throne in the heavens and your kingdom rules over all. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Lastly, bless the Lord in all creation. Bless the Lord in all creation. I'm going to read 20 through 22 together. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. David begins to bring this all to a close. And he uses similar wording that he used there in the beginning. He's back to praising the Lord. He began by praising the Lord. He talked about all these beautiful things that God has done. And now he's concluding it. He's saying, bless the Lord. And when he's doing so, he's crying out to all of creation. Bless you, oh, his angels, his mighty ones who do his word. Bless you, obeying his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion, all aspects of his creation. Bless the Lord. And church, here's the thing. Scripture tells us if we do not cry out and bless the Lord, the rocks will cry out. The mere rock on the ground that is nothing but an inanimate object, it will cry out to God in worship if his people do not worship him. That is convicting. That is a punch to the gut. We have been called by God, redeemed by his shed blood of Jesus, and we have been given the commission to go and live our lives in worship to him. In doing so, we cry out to him in worship, bless the Lord, oh my soul. God has redeemed me from the pit. Bless your name, God. When I'm encountering my neighbor next door, bless the Lord. God, give me the opportunity to proclaim your gospel. Lord, as I'm in my house with my children and they're getting on my nerves because I'm tired from my day, those little children have no idea what is really going on. 
Lord, give me the ability to say, die to self and minister to these children. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. As I'm in the workplace and I'm so annoyed by all the tasks that are before me, God has divinely called me to be in that place of work. So I'm going to do what I need to do to bless the Lord and prayerfully proclaim the gospel. As I'm in the, in the grocery store buying some Dr. Pepper No Sugar because that is my soda of choice. Dr. Pepper No Sugar is the bomb. It is delicious. But as I'm going through that grocery store and I'm on the aisle and there's a ton of people and I'm looking ahead and I'm saying, man, there's a crowd of people right in front of that Dr. Pepper. I'll wait. Man, they're having like a conversation. I'm going to go over there and get it. Oh, my buggy bumped into the person. And then it opens up into a conversation of just being able to talk. God may be right there in the moment giving you the opportunity to bless the Lord and talk to people and have a gospel conversation. You never know what may happen. But God wants his people to live their lives and say with their mouths, bless the Lord, oh my soul. So I I want to conclude by just asking you here today, church. Are you at a point right now in your life where your response is that of worship unto God? But Brian, I've had this go on and this go on and this go on. Listen, we could sit all day and we could compare a list of all the things that have gone on. Things are going to continue to go on. It's the results of this fallen world that we live in. Things are going to happen. There are things that are coming right around the bend that we don't see, but the Lord does. Are we going to have a posture of worship unto God that says, despite what comes, bless the Lord, O my soul. I pray that your response to that is yes. We're going to take a moment. We're going to quietly stop and think and reflect on what God has said today. We're going to ask the Lord, God, what is it that you are speaking to me right now? And I want you to take a moment and truly ask that question. God, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that you're telling me I need to do? God, are you telling me that there is this in my life that I need to flee from and repent of? God, are you telling me that I need to truly start living my life in a way that says, bless the Lord by my words and my actions? You may be sitting in this room right now or you may be listening online and you may say, I have no idea how to bless the Lord because I don't know the Lord. And today may be the day of salvation from you for you. My prayer is that you would take the time to stop and ask. What must I do to be saved? The Bible says if you will repent of your sin, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God resurrected him from the grave, you shall be saved. And that's the beginning. Then you get trained up and discipled and get on mission for God. I pray that you'll ask him, what is it that he wants from you today? When I finish praying, the band will lead us in a hymn, praise to, praise to the Lord, the Almighty.
And as we're singing that, if, if you need prayer, you can come up here. I will gladly pray with you. If you need to talk afterwards, I will gladly talk with you. But don't miss out on maybe what God is trying to direct in you because you're scared, you're worried, or you don't know the answers. Be obedient. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you, again, Lord, are so good. Lord, we cry out to you, bless the Lord, O my soul. God, you have been so gracious and kind to us. You have shown us mercy. God, we don't deserve what you have shown to us, what you have demonstrated through Jesus, what you give to us every day of our lives. But God, we are so grateful for it. Father, I pray, Lord, that if there is someone within the sound of my voice that is struggling right now, Lord, that may say, I can't say bless the Lord because of this. God, reveal to them that they need to work through that, whatever it may be, that we can come alongside and help them with that, Lord. But ultimately, God, speak to them in that regard. Lord, for the one that may say, I can't say bless the Lord because I don't know the Lord. Father, minister to that person. Redeem that person. Help us to come alongside and walk with that person, rejoicing in their salvation. Lord, above all things, God, I pray that your will would be done that we would be a people that truly stop and say, bless the Lord, O my soul, with our words, with our actions. God, so that many people, far from you but close to us, have opportunity to see, hear, and respond to the gospel. Lord, have your way. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.